You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, it's media day here in New Orleans, which is a really exciting time because this has to be the most anticipated basketball season in a long time for the city of New Orleans. We're kicking off the David Griffin era, the Zion Williamson era, basically an all-new era of Pelicans basketball, and we're finally going to get to hear from the players today. So by the time you're listening to this, it might already be going on. Media Day kicks off, tips off, I should say, at 11 a.m. Central. This is going to be a primer for Media Day. Things I want to find out, things that you've all told me you want to find out about. So we're going to do it as kind of the most anticipated questions, things like that for Media Day, kind of run down some of the topics we want to hear as training camp gets started tomorrow. Tomorrow's podcast is going to break down Media Day. Were there any surprising things that we heard? Any Anything we want to dive into deeper and then start to look towards training camp, which means positional battles, rotational battles, minutes battles, all of that and more. So we're going to have it here on Locked on Pelicans all week long, which means subscribe if you don't already. Give a five-star re- review to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start with the man at the top, and I don't know the order that they're going to have everyone out for media day. In years past, I think it's been Dell Demps followed by the head coach, Alvin Gentry, and then the players, but now that we're under a new regime, I don't know if that'll continue to be the same or not, but you have to figure David Griffin's going to be right there in the beginning, answering some questions, likely talking a good bit about the improvements done to the Oshner Sports Performance Center, which is where the Pelicans practice out there on Airline Drive. It went through close to maybe $10 million in renovations, at least $5 million in renovations after Aaron Nelson was hired and wanted to make some changes to how things were done, just give that place also a bit of a better flow. And I'm hopeful we'll be able to see it a little bit as um, we're there for training camp and media day as well. So I'm assuming we'll hear more about that process. And Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com talked about this and talked to Aaron Nelson in an interview on Pelicans.com, which was kind of interesting because Aaron Nelson basically accepted the job on like a, I forget exactly how it goes, he accepted the job and then the next day they were like, can you fly in because everything you wanted done has been approved and we need you to meet with like contractors and architects to start looking at how to kind of do all of this and he was stunned that it had been handled that quickly. That means David Griffin took it to ownership, Gail Benson, and she goes, yes, we'll spend this money on all of these upgrades for a pretty new facility in the first place. I remember I was there when they opened it up and brought the media in for the first time. You had to have your shoes inspected because they didn't want any gravel being carried in if they were like in the soles or in the grips or anything like that. And now they're sinking at least $5 million, maybe $10 million into renovations, which is pretty impressive 
perspective. And when everyone speaks about the commitment for, from ownership, you're definitely seeing it because they are spending money in ways that they have never spent before. But my question is also about the front office and the structure of everything. We've heard a lot about the new additions that they've added, Swin Cash, um, particularly to the front office, and that there was a bit of an overhaul done. David Griffin saying, this isn't your Pelicans of old. He said, the way he wants to build this is like a family. Get everyone on the bus. Let's get the bus going in the direction we want it going, and we'll figure out what to call everybody a little bit later. But he wants to hire people that he wants and that want to be there and that he thinks are the best in the business, basically. So he's made some big hires. He's also talked about how it wasn't a complete you know, gut job renovation here, to put it in housing terms. He's kept a lot of the same people that were there before, and you kind of see all of that. It wasn't like they completely cleaned house. So I'm curious, is who are some of the people he's kept? Maybe why he's kept some of those people as well and the good work that they were doing that he wants to kind of bring to the forefront, I guess, by keeping them there. But also, is the renovation done in terms of the front office and the structure, the guys like Aaron Nelson, the other people they've added to the front office? Or is there going to be more in the future? Or is it just kind of always a continually evolving thing? Is this something that maybe next year they then take another step in terms of evolution as a front office? Or are they going to be kind of content with what they have and be like, this is the group minus any departures that might happen and then additions to replace those? But are they going to be looking to bring anyone new that's not a replacement into the front office and again, continue that evolution that they've got as a front office. I'm very curious to see kind of what the plan is and how they kind of want to build this out to being one of the you know, top successful NBA franchises, ones that other franchises want to model themselves after. So he's done a lot in the short period of time, but there was, you know, you had to get ready for the draft. You had to trade Anthony Davis. There was a lot of other work there that maybe just they didn't have the bandwidth to put in place some of the things that they wanted to be able to do. Are there going to be other things in the future that they do want to add that's on his mind? And I'm sure if he has any, he'll let us know at Media Day today. For Alvin Gentry, who's likely to be up next after David Griffin, I've got a very simple question. One, how much fun has he been having this offseason? No, that's not the real one here. It's just, how fast is this team going to play? How fast does he think they're capable of playing? I looked at this earlier in the offseason. When you look at transition, and we'll, we'll take a look at this maybe on a whole day's worth of an episode later on as we get into the nitty-gritty of training camp, but you know, a, a team doesn't run 50%, 60 70% of their offense in transition it's closer maybe to being a quarter of your offense are they going to try and push beyond that how quick does he think that they are capable of playing and with that there are some challenges conditioning having a solid defense because you are giving your opponent a ton of other possessions too for them to score and how does he kind of find the right balance between playing fast but also playing too fast that it's a detriment to your team whether it's again the conditioning or the defense as well and kind of what do you look for to kind of make this work so that's my main question to Alvin Gentry so, of course, we're going to mention Zion, Andrew Holiday, both of them coming up here in the next two segments of today's Media Day Primer. But before we get to that, Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Locked On at Manscaped.com. So we've got the three rookies, the recruiting class, and I've got some questions for them, but it kind of all fits under one umbrella. But first and foremost, we've got to start with Zion. That's who's the star of this rookie class. 
uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I think will see minutes towards the end of the year more so than the start, and Jackson Hayes, where it may as well be a redshirt year for him. And if he plays significant minutes, it means something's gone wrong or there's been an injury most likely. But Zion obviously is going to be the star of the show here, so he's going to get a lot of questions asked. And frankly, the one we want the most insight from. And first and foremost is, you know, he was very clearly a little bit out of shape at Summer League. I don't want to say overweight. I think the plane weight's fine. I think it's just a conditioning thing was not there, which kind of comes hand in hand with being the number one overall pick in the press tour that you have to do. But he's done a lot of press during this offseason. He shot some commercials. He's done a number of things. We've seen him all over the country for different things like that. It was just at Duke the other day. You know, maybe he hasn't gotten in the shape we'd like to see him in. I'm saying it as a question because I don't know. Obviously, I wouldn't phrase the question that way. But so, you know, we've seen him. He just signed with Gatorade. That was announced. His fourth big endorsement this offseason. He's got a Gatorade commercial. He's got a Jordan Brand commercial out now too. He's probably done some stuff for the Pelicans. You've seen him at various events in the city of New Orleans. You saw him at Duke. I was a little bit surprised he didn't go out to see Duke play Alabama in Atlanta in the opening part of the college football season uh, and went to the LSU game instead, which is kind of cool to see him there. But he's had a lot going on. He was also moving his family and himself here to uh, the greater New Orleans area. So is he in... Oh, and he stepped away from T. Team USA basketball to kind of get ready for the regular season. Now, maybe some of it is kind of doing those other obligations and maybe those were more important to him because no one played for Team USA and they kind of crapped out of the FIBA World Cup. But what was the rest of the offseason like for him? How was it trying to transition to being a pro and a pro at kind of a high level? Most rookies aren't making this kind of transition. They're not shooting all of those commercials. They're not working on all of those in endorsements. It's a lot for one person, I think. And what was that transition like? What were some of the challenges? And was he able to kind of keep up with an off-season program that the Pelicans wanted him to do? We knew that in summer league, they were going to kind of get their hands on him in a way and figure out and ways to customize kind of a plan for him to have him be ready for the regular season. And it sounds like Aaron Nelson takes video of these guys, puts it into some fancy computer stuff. I'm not even going to go into it that much and is able to kind of spit back what they need to be doing better, whether it's form or different things like that. What's some of the things they had him do? How was he trying to get ready for the start of the regular season? No one's faulting him and no one wants him to stop doing all of these commercials, get all of these endorsements. I don't think they're distractions or anything like that. I'm just curious about the basketball side of things. We saw him at the facility a lot. We saw him out there during Saints training camp. I'm sure he was there last night in the Dome for uh, the Sunday night game and that big victory, though, God, that was a little bit closer than we would have liked over the Cowboys. But what kind of went into the offseason? Kind of same thing for the other rookies, too. You know, how was that transition? What are some of the things they had you do? How did this all work? And then what's also considered a successful season to them? Take away the team success, making the playoffs or, you know, or winning an NBA title is going to be a successful year. But what about individually? Is it just growing as a player? Is it adding on to existing skill sets, developing new skill sets? Is it just being a good teammate and doing what you can? What are their goals going into the year, their individual goals, and what's considered a success for them? And that goes for Zion, that goes for Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. 
So before I touch on Drew Holiday, don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review. Helps keep this free and five days a week for you, Monday through Friday in this very exciting season for your New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to have a lot of insight, a lot of guests coming on, particularly before we get to the start of the regular season against the Toronto Raptors, a marquee game. You're excited. I'm excited. Your friends are excited. Clue them into the podcast as well. We're you get your podcast from. So last, certainly not least, let's round this out with Drew Holiday, now the unquestioned leader of your New Orleans Pelicans. And there's a lot you could ask him, and we kind of probably have general ideas of what he needs to do this year to take the next step. We kind of know a lot about his leadership as well. But my question is that, you know, how has he grown as a leader that this has become unquestionably his team? Is he looking to kind of fill that mentor role while also still being kind of the go-to guy? And how do you strike the balance between all of that? And then finally, how is it he's capable of living up to the MVP hype that David Griffin has said about him? He's mentioned that he could be an MVP level player. He's mentioned that this is a guy who can take another step forward. How do you go about doing all of that or what do you you need to do and change your game in order to kind of make that a reality. The leadership part we kind of know about. He takes those guys to his home in uh, California and works out with them all off season, really putting in the work. But is there any way he wants to grow maybe more as a vocal leader on the court, in the locker room, anything like that? Because those are stuff and things that kind of get overlooked. We've seen him mature into kind of the heart and soul and like the leader we kind of just assume and know that he is, but how is he going to make his presence felt a little bit more, or is that even something he thinks he needs to do? What about his play on the court? We know he's now kind of that two-way guy, and he's thought of as one of the best two-way guards in the league, but how do you go about just being one of the best guards in the league? And it's great that he's starting to get the recognition from others and around the country, back-to-back all-defensive first and then second team nods, so all-defensive team nods, is a really good start. But how do you make the jump to an all-star thing, which is partially out of his hands too because it's fan voting, and I don't know if he's got the recognition enough um, with the fans to really kind of be that all-star level player and that's through no fault of his own but what about maybe an all-NBA level guy with the defense with the scoring and how does he go about doing that what's his role going to be in the offense exactly this year does he still anticipate working more off ball now with Lonzo Ball in there does it kind of free him up a little bit more so and he doesn't even necessarily have to handle the ball at the end of games What about defensively? Does having a guy like Lonzo Ball there, maybe the defensive upgrades the team has gotten this offseason, can he maybe not have to go all out on that side of the ball, guard guys like Kevin Durant at times, and is able to conserve some of that energy for offense? We saw what he was capable of doing against the Portland Trailblazers two years ago in the playoffs. He had 40 uh, 40 point game, 40 plus point game, I think 30 plus something in the final game. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you guys remember this very clearly. Dude was awesome during that time. How do you make that your just regular style of play? Is it just you've got the ball now, Anthony Davis is gone, you get more shots, so you're just going to have to take over during that time? What kind of goes into that transition from being maybe the second best guy on the team to being the man? 
And does he feel any pressure for that? How does he try and, you know, lead by example with all of it? There's a number of things that go into that. I'm just curious to hear his thought process on and how he's prepared for that going into this regular season. He's going to be good. We know that. But what does he actually think he needs to work on? Three-point shooting immediately jumps to mind where he hasn't shot, you know, great. It's maybe passable, serviceable enough the past couple of years from three, what is it, last year he shot 32.5% the year before that, 34%. And those are some of his the lowest of his career, basically. So it hasn't been great from deep. Is that what he needs to step up and play better with? And is that going to help the scoring? But even a percentage or two in each of those categories, that category there, isn't going to change a whole lot. Is it more about attacking and driving and breaking down a defense that way? And then how is that something he thinks he can do while keeping up that level of defense? It takes a lot of energy and effort on the defensive side of the ball to play like he does. Can you reliably do that for 82 games? We hope so. We know how well he trains and, you know, maybe he's capable of doing that. I'm sure he thinks he's capable of doing it. Does he have any concerns? What's he going to do during the regular season to try and keep that up too? Because these are very real issues that even if the Pelicans aren't challenging for a playoff spot, you want to see this dude doing exceptionally well for the team as he's maybe primed at age 29 to kind of have a breakout year. So you'll notice in this, I didn't really talk about positional battles, anything like that. I think that's more of a training camp conversation rather than a media day conversation. Alvin Gentry is not going to come in and say, by the way, Brandon Ingram is starting over J.J. Redick. It's not going to be anything like that. We're going to get that in the first preseason game. Maybe some of the open practice, October 5th at the Smoothie King Center. It's free. It should be a lot of fun. It's open to the public. Get tickets if you haven't already. Go see Zion and some of these other guys for the first time. And it's really just going to be a very fun fan event overall that I know I'm excited for. I'm sure everyone else is excited for as well. And then basically right after that, it's preseason. We'll get an idea of the starting lineup, some of the rotations a little bit, though I don't think you're going to see Alvin Gentry really play heavy minutes to a lot of these guys in preseason, or at least in that first game at Atlanta. So we'll have those talks and those conversations about some of the positional battles, rotation and other things as we start to get a better idea of what we're seeing from this team and what to expect from this team. But Media Day is just kind of finding out what you want to know. I've told you guys some of the things that I want to hear on Media Day today, which I will be at. Let me know on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. Some of the things you're hoping to hear if you're listening to this before Media Day uh, tips off again, 11 a.m. Central. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of quotes and a lot of things to talk about in tomorrow's edition of Locked on Pelicans. And well, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review and tell one of your friends. And as always, I'll be back with you all tomorrow.